0: good mornings i'm chris oaks and coming up today with one week to go until the partial may 3rd primary are there concerns that confusion created by ohio's redistricting saga may affect turnout and become a factor in the important races and issues voters have to decide also this morning in our community and business spotlight operation workforce a resource fair and job placement program from the hancock county veterans service office for those in any stage of their civilian career path. And now that spring is here and we've had our first taste of warm weather, it's time to rediscover our great outdoor spaces with May programs and activities from the Hancock Park District. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, April 26th, 2022. If you're looking for a reason to celebrate today, it is Alien Day. Alien day today it is get organized day autobahn day today national help a horse day hug a friend day hug an australian day <laughs> so help a horse hug a friend and even better hug an australian friend um national pretzel day national static cling day and it is National Kids and Pets Day, so looking for a reason to celebrate, you got plenty to choose choose from. So, okay, here is the uh, here is the data. Uh, according to Insurify, uh, they went through all of the uh, publicly available data, and they discovered that Ohio is the state with the most speeding tickets. Ohio drivers. Uh, have more speeding tickets on their collective record than any other state in the union 14 well just under 15% 14.95% of ohio drivers have a speeding ticket uh on their uh, on their record iowa hot on our heels at uh, 14.87% so iowa number 2 north dakota wisconsin south carolina the rest of the top 5 and the uh, rest of the top 10 virginia alaska Washington state, Colorado, and Wyoming, the uh, states with the most speeding tickets. Now I don't know who is at the bottom of the list or what state was at the bottom of the list. All I have is the top 10 in front of me. I was trying to look this up and I could not find the uh, entire list. However, I did see a, a graphic on the Insurify website uh that uh, you know it's got color shaded um color shaded by state you know which state the darker the orange the more speeding tickets and so on so it so it doesn't actually uh, break all 50 uh, states down that i can see here but it does give you an idea of where the speediest drivers are at least according to their data but here's the thing and this is what i thought was interesting Uh, places like nevada and montana And Texas, I mean, these big, wide-open states um, have relatively few speeding tickets. And I thought this is very interesting, and and this is a a delineation that it is important to make, I think. It is a distinction that is important to make. Ohio drivers have the most speeding tickets. That doesn't necessarily mean they are the speediest. You know what I mean? I mean, tell me that... More people are are driving with a lead foot in Ohio than there are in Montana, where it's like 500 miles between the nearest towns. <laughs> well, not that much, but you know what I'm you know what I'm saying. Much much wide open, much more wide open spaces, and uh, I just think that they're just not getting as many tickets in Montana. Not that they're driving uh, any more or less fast; they're just not getting tickets at the same rate ohio is so that is a an important distinction i think but uh in any event the national average is something like nine percent of drivers have a speeding ticket on their record and in ohio it's almost 15 percent. so it's like a 35 percent higher than average rate for the buckeye state so just kind of uh just kind of interesting there in insurify's data But like I said, I'm not necessarily buying that because Ohio drivers have more speeding tickets on their record that by extension, they are the speediest drivers. Not the case. So anyway, something kind of interesting, by the way, speaking of uh, driving, I saw this on the newswire. Uh, researchers at the University of Minnesota found that when highway death tolls are posted on roadside message boards in an attempt to curb crashes, they may actually be having the opposite effect. And you see this on Ohio roadways all the time, particularly around the holidays when we're coming up on the end of the year, and they or in the summertime they'll put these messages on the signboards on the highways that so far this year so many deaths have been caused by uh, uh, speeding or whatever. And um, they're meant to discourage people from driving in an unsafe manner, but they may actually be having the opposite effect and causing more accidents. At least 27 states have used this kind of messaging on their highway signs. And the co-author of the study says people have limited attention when a driver's cognitive load is already maxed out. As it may be when driving down the highway, adding on an attention-grabbing, sobering reminder of highway deaths can actually become a dangerous situation. Study shows that seeing these dire messages temporarily affects a driver's ability to respond to changes in traffic conditions. Um, And the additional crashes associated with the messages increased as the death toll rose. Overall, They say states should consider other ways of raising awareness about road safety, saying perhaps these campaigns can be reimagined to reach drivers in a safer way, such as when they are stopped at an intersection so that their attention while driving remains focused on the roads. And I've often thought that was, you know, they they talk about distracted driving and how dangerous that is, and then they post signs. Uh, with these flashing messages on the electronic signs that distract our attention from <laughs> with messages about distracted driving and things like that. So I, I get where they're coming from uh, on that. So anyway, just something to uh, think about with respect uh, to that. Uh, so uh, it was announced yesterday that Elon Musk is buying Twitter. um And this saga has gone on for about a week now. It's actually really uh, interesting the way this all came together in a relatively short amount of time. Uh, It was announced that Elon Musk bought up all of this stock that uh, earned him a spot on the board of directors. But then he said, no, he didn't want to sit on the board. And then he came out and said, you know what? I'm just going to buy the whole thing and take the company private. And then Twitter responded By saying, no, we don't think that that's a good idea. And now, apparently, everybody's all best friends again. And they've come to a deal uh, that will allow Elon Musk to buy Twitter. Which raises the question, will he make any substantive changes? Now, he's not taking over, like, tomorrow. And this whole thing is going to take quite a while to work through all of the details. And then even once Elon Musk technically takes ownership of Twitter. It's going to take a while for him to implement the changes to the platform that he wants to implement. But there is already speculation that he might lift the ban on some Twitter users who have been locked out of the platform, most notably former President Donald Trump. So yesterday... Mr. Trump said that he will not return to Twitter, even if his ban is lifted. Uh, Trump was uh, barred from the platform, which he used before and throughout his presidency to tweet out statements uh, after the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Twitter citing the risk of further incitement of violence, et cetera, et cetera. Said, you know, all of the backstory here. Well, Trump uh, Trump told uh, Fox News yesterday, I am not going on Twitter. I am going to, t- to stay on Truth Social, referring, of course, to his own social media platform, which has had a bit of a rocky start, to say the least, after launching earlier this year. Uh, Elon Musk said he wanted to buy Twitter because he said it wasn't living up to its potential as a free speech platform, and he would be very reluctant to a- delete content and cautious about issue- issuing permanent bans. So that is why the speculation uh, rose up uh, whether he might reinstate Donald Trump's account but apparently for his part Donald Trump says even if uh, he is reinstated he's not going back to Twitter so we'll see though i mean i think uh, if i mean if there are millions of people to be reached on twitter Donald Trump's going back to twitter you know what i mean he's going he's going to do that but at least for right now he says nope he's not going to so stay tuned Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Uh, General Motors president, Mark Roos. Is that how you pronounce it? Roos, Royce, Roos, the president of General Motors, (laughs) just leave it at that, announced yesterday that they are going to be producing a fully electric version of the Chevy Corvette. He did not say when a fully electric Corvette would be available, but suggested a hybrid model. Could be out relatively soon. Uh, He writes, we will offer an electrified Corvette as early as next year. An accompanying video on Twitter showed what appeared to be a hybrid Corvette. So electrified, that was the word he used, and that can mean everything from hybrid to full electric. Most all electric vehicles in production so far have been sedans and SUVs, as having batteries lends itself to larger and heavier vehicles but several companies are working on electric sports cars and GM said it plans to produce only zero emission vehicles by 2035. So you're going to keep the vet and you're going to go zero emission. That's kind of your kind of your self-imposed deadline on that. So, And one other item here among the first things you need to know, I just thought this was kind of interesting. And we mentioned today is national kids and pets day. If you have a pet in the home, You should know that dogs aren't faking it. They really do not like going to the vet. Researchers in Australia, the University of Adelaide, found that uh, the average heart rate of a dog doubled between the time they spent in the waiting room and the time they spent on the examination table during a trip to the veterinarian. So their heart rate actually doubles when they get in to see the vet. They also found that elevated heart rate was correlated with fearful body language and that female dogs were more fearful during their vet visit than male dogs were. Uh, Scientists hope that the findings will encourage veterinarians and their staff and dog owners to take extra care to help reassure their dogs uh, before and during examinations. So, something to uh, think about. It appears that your, uh, (laughs) your dogs aren't faking it. They just don't like going to the vet. Just like we don't like going to the doctor, but So there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. Uh
1: WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly cloudy today with high 51, partly cloudy tonight with low 33. The Ohio State Highway Patrol says as temperatures warm up, they're seeing more crashes involving motorcycles on the state's highways. Lieutenant Crowe is commander of the Finley Post of the Highway Patrol.
2: biggest thing the motorcyclists can do, aside from wearing all their proper protective gears, is take some of those training courses and just to improve their skill set.
1: He's asking all drivers on the road to be alert for the increase in motorcycles on the streets. Over a five-year stretch, the Highway Patrol saw nearly 19,000 motorcycle-related crashes on Ohio's highways. In the meantime, a new study says Ohio drivers are a bunch of lead foots. The insurance shopping website Insurify crunched the numbers, utilizing their database of over 4.6 million insurance applications. They compare the number of speeding tickets to the number of drivers in each state. And Ohio is number one in the country for the percentage of drivers with speeding tickets on their records at nearly 15%. Buckeye State drivers also have an issue with failure to yield citations coming in 75% higher than the national average. Steve Vaughn, ONN. Backyard Mission Trip of Findlay is still in need of some volunteers to help out with their upcoming event.
3: The Backyard Mission Trip is a great way for people to help do work for those in need. Um, it may be raking leaves, putting mulch down, washing windows, painting a shed, um, just a whole host of things. And so our event is coming up. It is Saturday, April the 30th.
1: That's Leanne Ireland. We have more details on the event at our website. There was a very special delivery at Reineke Ford Lincoln of Findlay on Monday morning. A 2022 Ford GT Allen Mann Heritage Edition drove off the delivery truck and into the showroom at the dealership. Owner Tom Brumley, as the car started, Nearby, so
2: we we've been waiting patiently for this car six years. Uh, but uh, anything worthwhile, he says.
1: The Ford GT will be in the Reinecke showroom for a few months before it's shipped to family members in California. I'm John Marshall for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM.
0: Well, once again, Ohio's primary election will be anything but a straightforward affair with all the drama surrounding redistricting. Voters will be going to the polls not once, but twice this time around. And joining us is Secretary of State Frank LaRose. Ms. Secretary, you are a member of the Ohio Redistricting Commission. How frustrating has this been, not only in that capacity, the inability to put those final maps in place, but also in your role as the state's top election official, knowing how this complicates the entire primary process.
2: Chris, you're right, it has been frustrating and that frustration started early last year and people forget about this part when the when the US Census Bureau was nearly a half a year late in delivering us the data that we needed to even start the process. So that put us off uh, off schedule to begin with It only happened finally as a result of a lawsuit from the Ohio Attorney General. When the Census Bureau finally coughed up the data, it was August, mid-August, actually. And so we were starting with a delay. But you're right. Because of all of the litigation and all of the court challenges related to this, um, it has caused some confusion and some frustration. But here's something that is straightforward. Uh, Ohioans need to know that when it's time to hold an election, we will always make sure that, uh, that they have the access to the ballot and that it's a uh, honest and trustworthy process. So those are two things we will never compromise, access and integrity. Uh, every Ohioan has the opportunity to present, uh, to participate rather in early voting uh, or absentee voting or in-person election day voting. And when they go to bed on election night, they'll know it was an honest contest. That's the work of our bipartisan county boards of elections across all 88 counties. And to be clear, There are two primaries this year. There's one coming up just next week on May 3rd. Early voting continues all this week for that. And if you've got an absentee ballot, now's the time to get that mailed in. And of course, Election Day polls are open from 6.30 a.m. till 7.30 p.m. That's going to be everything except for state representative, state senator, and state central committee. Unfortunately, because of all this litigation, Mm -hmm. those contests will have to be held in August. It's most likely going to be August 2nd. We don't know for certain. But uh, that's the date that makes the most sense. August 2nd is the most likely date for that second primary. And again, all the same choices, early voting, absentee voting, and in-person election day will be available then as well.
0: Now, a number of voting rights groups had lobbied for the primary to be delayed altogether, but a bill introduced in the state legislature that would have done that never even made it out of committee. There seem to be some valid uh, arguments for a postponement. Why is holding a split primary the better option?
2: of reason. People rely on election day happening at the time they expect. Um, It's not just the governor's race and the U.S. Senate race and congressional and even the Secretary of State's race, uh, but it's also local races. And remember, school levies are also on the ballot. Now, uh, consider this. uh, Some of those school levies have to be determined so that those school districts can make decisions as soon as this summer, when, uh, for example, teacher contracts come back up for negotiation. To delay all of that until August would be uh, unnecessary and disruptive for the process. And so that's why it was the right decision to move forward with the election at the regularly scheduled date on May 3rd. Mm -hmm. And to be clear, that's not a choice that's up to me. That's a choice that's made by our members of the General Assembly. They set that in law. They set that date for May 3rd. We are conducting that election as we speak. And then, of course, there will have to be the second primary. But it was something that we tried hard to avoid. Yeah, Uh, But again, because of all of the litigation, it became unavoidable to have that second primary, most likely August 2nd. Uh,
0: One of the biggest concerns with having two dates was the burden that this places on those local boards of election that you referred to, the the manpower that is required to work the polls and count the votes. It can be rather difficult to do once, and now they have to do it twice. Have you received any pushback or, or any concern from local boards about that aspect, and what do you say to them?
2: Well, certainly, and and I share that concern, and and the county boards of elections know that we'll be with them every step of the way, not only when it comes to poll worker recruitment, and that's something that we've really leaned into. In fact, Ohio in 2020 became a a real national example for poll worker recruitment. We had a record-setting number of poll workers sign up to do this work in 2020. Over 56,000 patriotic Ohioans from both parties serving as poll workers, well, all of those same recruiting programs, and there's five of them, everything from youth at the booth where we recruit high school students to sign up to be poll workers to one that's near and dear to me where I ask my fellow veterans to answer a second call to duty and serve as a poll worker uh, to businesses giving their employees a day off. We call that give a day for democracy. All of those same programs will be in place, but you're right. It takes Ohio in stepping up. We ask uh, your listeners to visit VoteOhio.gov. And sign up to be a poll worker. VoteOhio.gov. The Board of Elections will train you. You'll get about three hours worth of training at a convenient time, probably on a weekend or an evening, if that works best for you. You'll be paid for your trouble as being a poll worker. But more important than anything, uh, you'll be on the front lines of democracy, and, and you will know that uh, that you were part of making another successful, secure election happen for the people of Ohio. One other thing to mention is the cost of this. And, and listen, uh, holding an election uh, costs something. And uh, and we know that. And this is why it's always been a joint effort between the counties and the state. And I've made it very clear to all of our county boards of elections, as well as our legislative leaders, that the state is going to have to help them bear that cost. And I'm working with the legislature to, uh, uh, to fulfill that commitment right now and to try to get them some additional dollars uh, to help defray the cost of holding that second primary. As
0: a a bit of a sidebar, and you were mentioning earlier that all of the standard options uh, for voting, for casting a vote, uh, will apply to both dates. To be clear, if a person does not vote on May 3rd, they would still be eligible to vote in the second primary, correct? You don't forfeit your right to vote in the second primary by not voting in the first?
2: No, certainly not. As long as you're a registered voter in the state of Ohio, and that's easy to do online as well. So if you're not registered to vote or maybe if you don't know whether you're registered to vote you can just check at voteohio.gov and make sure your registration information is up to date It only takes a few minutes but uh, this works just like any other election would Mm -hmm. and uh, the same deadlines are in place and the same opportunities conveniently to make your voice heard will exist regardless but of course we want you to participate in both elections and we, we need your voice to be heard but if you choose not to vote in this election on may 3rd then you will still have the opportunity for the second
0: primary the flip side though is also true if you for example requested an absentee ballot for the may 3rd primary you would still need to request another one for the second date correct
2: that is correct each election is a separate event and the same deadlines and timelines apply to all of those uh and again all of the information about timelines when the cutoff for voter registration is when the time to request your absentee ballot all of that's available at voteohio.gov including videos about how to request an absentee ballot and the form you need to print off and in, in, in order to request one
0: and as we alluded to earlier all of this of course comes on the heels of a presidential primary in 2020 that was upended by the pandemic and at a time when the voting process itself is under heightened scrutiny uh, just to kind of reiterate what you were saying earlier, do you worry at all that people may start to question the integrity of the process that, oh, here again, the normal rules don't apply and the state's just making it up as they go along?
2: Well, and that's why it's so important that we, and I say that because I, I work hard to do this, but it's important that, that folks uh, in your profession do as well. And so that's why I appreciate the chance to talk to your listeners directly today, that we get accurate and reliable information. You can count on information from your trusted source like VoteOhio.gov or your county board of elections. And the honest truth is there's a lot of false information out there on the Internet. If you're getting your information from uh, YouTube or Facebook, you you may not be getting trustworthy information. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, too many people have bought into conspiracy theories and those kind of things. Ohioans know that they can trust their election. And again, you can find all the information about that at VoteOhio.gov slash secure which goes through all of the information, like, for example, voting machines that are never connected to the internet, tested before each election by bipartisan teams, and that we audit every election where Ohio, uh, from both parties, Republicans and Democrats, count the hard copy paper and reconcile that against the electronic tabulation so that you know that your election was trustworthy.
0: Again, Secretary of State Frank LaRose with us this morning talking about Ohio's split primary, the first vote of which is happening in one week on May 3rd. Mr. Secretary, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
2: Hey, thank you so much, Chris. Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight.
0: Nicole Coleman is with us here from the Hancock County Veterans Services Office. And you have an event coming up on Saturday for Area Veterans Operation Workforce, which is a fancy way of saying a job fair, right?
3: Yeah, we're really excited about it. So we try to do two veterans resource fairs per year. Mm -hmm. And this is the first one this year with the focus being on employment for veterans. Um, Our hope is to help the local employers who are looking for employees and provide them with some quality veterans who, you know, have a lot of the soft skills of coming to work consistently on time and know how to work hard and Mm -hmm. and those types of things, be a a good team member. Um, And then also to help those veterans who either are unemployed or underemployed Um, and if If you're a veteran listening to this, what I want to remind you also is that if you feel like you have some barriers to employment, like maybe you need some new skills, some new training, there are a lot of unique programs to help you. And you can get more information about those if you come to this event, because Mm -hmm. there are a lot of state and federal programs to help. Um, provide those kind of training resources. And even
0: beyond that, uh, I mean, we talk about how so many employers now with a labor shortage are struggling to find uh, people. They're more and more willing than ever to help train you in those specifics. If you can provide, like you said, those soft skills, being able to show up and working hard that's number one on their list.
3: Exactly, and that's what, you know, the the state and the federal programs have recognized, you know, that they want to provide funding and resources to the employers and the veterans to help with those barriers and those gaps. Um, And so if you're a veteran, you're listening to this and you're thinking either, you know, you've been unemployed for a while because you aren't sure what to do Mm -hmm. or you don't like the job that you're doing but you didn't know that you had options, This is a great time to come and explore those. We will have um, someone from Raise the Bar there, uh, which has some great resources. Um, Owens has collaborated with a lot of local employers um, to basically create training programs specifically for what their manufacturing process needs. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, economic development is going to be there. I mean, so there's just and there's a lot of employers who are going to be there taking resumes um, speaking of resumes, Job and Family Services is going to be there to help veterans see how they can uh, make their resume look like a civilian resume instead of a military resume. Because a lot of the... <laughs> yes, uh, there is
0: a difference. Yes.
3: Yeah. And, the you know, a lot of times the civilian employers, they see our resume and they think, Oh, my goodness, This is probably really impressive, but I don't know what any of it means. And so, our job as a veteran is to translate that for them
0: right. and And I was going to bring up along those same lines, it's the same uh, topic, and I think we've talked about it before finding ways to uh, translate those military skills into the civilian workforce as well.
3: Correct. And and JFS has some great resources to help with that.
0: So this is all happening on Saturday. Saturday from
3: 10 to 2 at Owens Community College. Okay. And uh, we will have lunch. Uh, Pizza and salads, I believe, is what we're providing for lunch. Uh, Raise the bar is going to speak. Economic development is going to speak. And then, like I said, it will be like a job fair setting. So you can go from station to station, giving your resume. If you don't have a resume, please don't let that keep you from coming. Come, give your name.
0: Yeah. And if you are maybe not to the point where you're ready to make a change right now, sounds like an awful lot of good information that you can kind of sock away for the future.
3: Correct. Yes, we are hoping to see a lot of veterans there connecting with one another. Um, You know, a lot of us have been kind of closed up for a while, and uh, this is a great time to meet some local veterans or reconnect with some that you already know, meet some employers, and ask my staff some questions about your benefits.
0: And uh, this is for veterans of all ages.
3: Correct, yes. You could just be just getting out of the military and 21 or Maybe you're 70 and you're thinking, hey, I still have a lot of skill and talent and energy to give. There's a lot of employers that are looking for you.
0: And it, there, you don't have to sign up uh, or register in advance. There's no cost, obviously, nope. nothing like that.
3: Nope, just come. Again, Saturday, what are the hours then? Saturday from 10 to 2 at Owens Community College, Operation Workforce.
0: And you have more information on your webpage, right? HancockVeterans.com. Nicole Coleman from the Hancock County Veterans Services Office with us this morning. Nicole, thanks very much. Thank you. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor.
1: We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. So this is something that I think a lot of people have probably run into at one point uh, in their lives. Uh, When you rent your first apartment or you rent an apartment, you find out that uh, it's your pets aren't allowed. And uh, one woman in the uh, UK found a rather unique way of trying to get aw- get around her apartment buildings restrictions on pets. She has married her cat. <laughs> it says here in a civil ceremony in order to prevent her landlord from forcing her to get rid of uh, the animal. Deborah Hodge, age 49, says she had to uh, rehome three animals over the years due to landlords not allowing pets, and now she's trying to prevent the same thing from happening to her five-year-old cat named India. The pair married in a ceremony last week, which was conducted by a legally ordained friend. She says, I'm on my... my, my, This is the last uh, chance that I have. I have nothing to lose and everything to gain, so I married my cat. So that I wouldn't have to rehome. Wouldn't you think, I mean, after having to rehome three animals, you'd get the message? Cats aren't allowed. Pets are not allowed. But uh, but no, she had to get another pet. She did not want to lose it. She married her cat. Maybe this will turn out to be a thing. I don't know. Uh, let's see here. Some uh, other items here in the broken news this morning. Uh, TSA officials at the Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Airport say suspicious items found in a woman's carry on luggage turned out to be much ado about nothing. Airport officials say Chelsea uh, Trinidad was boarding a flight from Cincinnati to Tulsa, Oklahoma when her bags were flagged by security. After a brief inspection, TSA agents, you can see, you can actually see why her flag, uh, her uh, luggage got, got flagged for screening. Uh, when they scanned it, they found eight dense torpedo shaped items. <laughs> so you're thinking eight dense torpedo shaped items that might be cause for concern, right? So they flagged it for additional screening, opened up the uh, bags only to find out that it was uh, turned out to be tubes of Geta sausage. <laughs> Eight tubes of sausage that she was taking her friends in uh, Tulsa. Apparently, uh, this Geta sausage is uh, rather famous in Cincinnati, and uh, she said whenever she is in town visiting her relatives, she always brings back the sausage for her friends in Tulsa. <laughs> that it turned out to be nothing, but you can see where the uh, TSA might have been concerned in the initial screening. Speaking of odd things uh, discovered uh, in airport screenings, this from India, where a man thought he concocted the perfect plan to smuggle in some gold into the country. He hid it under his wig and in his uh, posterior orifice, let's just say. Customs officials at the New Delhi airport disagreed that 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 was the way to bring gold into the country. uh, They arrested the man for trying to bring in nearly $40,000 worth of gold uh, through these unconventional means. Um, Now, here is the uh, thing. Uh, The act of bringing in gold is not illegal in and of itself. The man was traveling into New Delhi from Abu Dhabi. Uh, And it's not illegal to bring gold into the country. This guy just wanted to circumvent the necessary declaration and not pay taxes on it. I'd say that's going to extremes. Which would you rather do? Pay taxes on $40,000 worth of gold or hide it in your uh, rectum? I think I'd go for the taxes myself. I don't know, it's, but uh, apparently he chose he chose the latter. Didn't get away with it though. He is uh, the matter is still under investigation. It says so. <laughs> he may yet face more penalties. <clears throat> About adding adding insult to injury, there I guess. Um, this is an unusual police chase uh, that ended in Omaha when uh, cops arrested their man. In a hot tub after a hit and run. Uh, police say the man crashed into a retaining wall near Shoreline Golf Course, then fled, uh, jumping into Carter Lake and uh, a brief uh, chase. Apparently, they lost him for a time. They uh, later located their man uh, in some somebody's hot tub. <laughs> he was placed under arrest. Oh, running from the police. I mean, that's... Uh, you now, that's hard work. And I want to relax afterwards, take a load off, soothe those sore muscles running from police, jump in the hot tub. And, <laughs> and finally, in the uh, broken news, a political story in the broken news this morning. It is that time of year. Erin May Quaid is not letting anything get in the way of her bid to become the Democratic nominee in a Minnesota state Senate race in a moment caught on video. Ms. Quaid actually went into labor on the morning of her party's convention on Saturday, but yet still managed to get through her speech despite having to pause for contractions. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Now that's now that's dedication Uh, following the speech. Uh, Ms. Quaid was uh, rushed to the hospital where she gave birth to a uh, healthy baby girl. Uh, They named her Harriet. Almost exactly 24 hours after her labor began, her spouse uh, made the announcement uh, saying mom and baby are healthy and resting. (laughs) She actually... Pushed through her speech even while she was having contractions in labor. Now, that's the kind of dedication I think we need uh, in uh, politics today. I mean, I don't care party affili- affiliation uh, notwithstanding. Uh, I think she's got my vote. You know, that way, if I was in Minnesota, that's, um, how can you not vote for her after all of that? There you go. Uh, that is today's Broken News Report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Agriculture is a big deal in the Buckeye State. That's why WFIN keeps you informed throughout the day with reports on Ohio's largest industry. This is Dale Menyo from the Ohio AgNet. We start your weekday mornings at 5.30 and 7.35 with that day's farm news, then a midday update at 10.45, markets at 11.15, and the closing numbers weekday afternoons at 5.45. Stay up to date with the latest agriculture information weekdays on 1330 WFIN WFIN WFIN.com and 95.5 FM We get to our daily download now the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives Uh, so if you are the parent of an adult child do you still support them financially? This is a a new report from savings.com which finds that half of Parents with a child or children over the age of 18 still do give them at least some financial support, financial assistance. And the amount of support was, I thought, a bit surprising. These parents are spending about $1,000 a month on average on expenses for their adult children. Things like health insurance. Uh, paying for their cell phone plan, or in some cases even help even help paying for food, which I suppose there is that thing well, if you want to make sure that your kids are eating <laughs> eating decent food, you gotta buy it for them, i guess uh support could also include having adult children living at home, something that shot up in twenty twenty as many young adults went home because of the pandemic sometimes because they lost jobs uh and you know were uh facing financial hardships and so on uh but this happens from time to time we go through these uh we go through these uh periods where you'll see adult children move back home because of financial difficulties it kind of goes up and down with the economy But uh, those adult children looking to go out on their own also faced increased hurdles beyond the pandemic, including an uneven job market and soaring housing costs. And a lot of them, of course, uh, have uh, a lot of student loan debt that they're struggling to pay off. And that's another reason why uh, their parents have stepped in to help out. But one of the other things that I thought was interesting, while parents are helping out their adult children financially financially, The study also found that 62% of adult children who do live at home do not contribute to the household expenses of their parents at all. So, apparently, this is a one-way street. Well, what a difference 72 hours makes. Day before yesterday, uh, over the weekend, we were talking about temperatures 20 degrees above normal. For this time of year and uh, this evening and overnight, well, really uh, all day today, we're about 10 degrees below normal, which means a frost advisory in effect overnight tonight and into tomorrow morning. So keep that in mind. But uh, now that uh, spring actually is here, I mean, welcome to spring in Ohio. (laughs) uh, We have had our first taste of warm weather. I would imagine that uh, Saturday and Sunday, the parks were just absolutely jam packed with people.
4: Yes, and and nature—you can see everything got really green. I mean, it was slowly yeah. there, and then it was like that warm weather hit, pop and yep. pop, just like and that. And then, right now, we're getting cold again.
0: <laughs> we had so, snow. I don't need snow in April. I think the I think the birds and uh, all of the uh, little animals are saying, "What in the world is going on?" Even they're confused. Right? But
4: right, I mean, say it was beautiful, but it's like December. Yeah, I don't need it in. <laughs> I don't need snow. I didn't make that happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Michelle Rumschlag is here from the uh, Hancock Park District. And it is a, a great time to, you know, like all of the uh, hibernating animals, uh, get out and uh, enjoy right. the great outdoors once again. Right, so.
4: And like I say, things are starting to be more active. So most things are probably out of hibernation at this point. And a lot of things are migrating through. So it's a big mm-hmm. time of year. Right. Here going into May, Um for birding because mm-hmm. there's just a lot of stuff kind of kind of yeah. moving through and it's a great time to look at that stuff because before all the leaves come out because it hides everything you right. might hear things but not see them mm-hmm. so again usually it's not too warm it's before all the bugs come out mm-hmm. so perfect you know weather. it's it, it, yeah it's that was perfect. the thing
0: yeah. this uh, this past weekend you know we had temperatures in the 80s but really low humidity and uh, so oh, you know right it was i mean like it perfect. could be
4: like that for summer yeah
0: I don't you think know? it will be, but.
4: Right. 80, I just don't need 80 in eight, April. I just like 60. I eight, don't need, well, you know, Mother Nature's all over. 80, the place. 80
0: over the weekend was fine. 80 uh, come July is going to feel much warmer I, <laughs> than what it did this past weekend. Right? It says humidity. It and even right. yesterday
4: morning, it was very humid out. Yeah. It was very thick You could tell. You could tell yeah. it's very thick in the air. We're going to get some rain. And now we're going to be.
0: Yeah. In any event. So, uh, with the idea of, and we're talking about, uh, you know, great weather to get out and explore our great outdoor spaces, and we are yes. so blessed with uh, so many great parks, and, uh, you know, everyone is a little bit different. Do you have some uh, programs and activities that are coming up in the month of May to uh, encourage people to get out?
4: Yes. So, again, all of our programs are on HancockParts.com, and we've got a quilt show coming up. um Ooh. In the second weekend of May is going to be our open house at the activity barn there at Lutzenberg Memorial Woods. Okay. But we need quilters to enter their quilts into our contest. So last year we did one um, that was virtual. They sent their pictures. People voted on Facebook. But this is going to be something in person. So uh, registration is open now. So um, it's kind of some of the same rules and regulations of last time. We're just asking that somebody, if you put the quilt together, you also need to quilt the quilt. So, okay. it's not just your pieces sometimes they pe- put the quilt together and then they send it out to get it quilted. We want you to do both okay. of those processes. So that is right. one little change from last time, but we're looking for kind of your larger bed-size quilts, your smaller ones is a second category, and then your craft or tabletop pillows, okay. runners and things. So okay. there's three different categories. Um I think it's $7 to enter. I'm sorry that escapes me. I don't have that information in front of me. But everything's on the website. Um, Again, some of the same information if you entered last year, but we just need you to enter something different this year. Okay. And then, yeah, we, we had a quilt show years ago in the barn, so we're hoping to have one again. But, again, we need you to enter. The
0: perfect venue for that, too. Right. So, So
4: you can come out. Then, hopefully, the weather will be nice. So, again, that's happening May 14th and 15th, Saturday and Sunday for the viewing. But it's open now until early May for... Um, registering no, of, your quilt
0: a lot of quilters out there and, and yes. folks. some folks uh, took that up during the pandemic so here's your yes. chance to show off your works exactly there yes. you go what else is going on the month of may we need to uh, highlight here
4: well i was looking it's kind of funny but we're going to start um zonta landing boat rentals coming up and then i thought well no that's later on but no that's, that's coming up memorial day may. weekend which is next yeah. month mm-hmm. but then we also have our self-guided spring float trips And those are the first three Saturdays in May. And those take place from Liberty Landing to Blanchard Landing. So it's a little different area, of course, with Zonta. Normally you go upstream Mm -hmm. from Riverside Park and then turn around and come back. So these are a little different. Um, Nine o'clock on those Saturdays. um, You can do a canoe. You can do um, a kayak. just need to get online and register for those the day before. And, of course, it just depends on the water level. So normally we're watching the high water. But with this section of the river, it's the low water. Gotcha. <laughs> and do we have enough to right. do it? So um, that'll just be the thing, but we'll be kind of watching that. So again, those are Saturday, May 7th, 14th, and 21st okay. at 9 o'clock again. And, and then you also need to kind of work your own transportation. So we start at Liberty and we take you to Blanchard downriver. So you need but not to, back. But not back, okay. right. So, so if there's two of you or if you can figure out a way to drop your coffee at Blanchard and someone takes you to Liberty, mm. you'll float downstream. There you go. So those will be taking place. And you know, then, we, yes.
0: We've talked about uh, those uh, trips on the on the river, whether it's the float trips or, or with the canoe rentals or, or what have you, mm-hmm. really gives you a different uh, perspective uh, of, I mean, things that maybe you've seen dozens of times, right? but you get it from that different perspective and it looks brand new. Sometimes.
4: Right. Especially when, you know, when we do, and we are going to do some different floats this summer, or again, the rental will open up um that Saturday of Memorial Day weekend mm-hmm. and you might drive along main cross all the time. Right. But when you get in there and you realize there's a lot of traffic, but it gets kind of quiet and mm. there's trees and you don't see the houses or the cars mm-hmm. and you're kind of in your own little world. It's yeah. kind of nice to be on, be on the river that way. So that'd so be a lot of fun. That'll be happening again, starting again, Memorial Day weekend Riverside Park is on the landing rentals. Good. will be opening up and, and it'll be our full rentals again. So our pedal boats, Canoes, double kayaks, single kayaks, everything like last year. Great. So hopefully you came out last year and had a good time and would like you to come back out again.
0: Anything else to uh, make mention of, Um, highlight?
4: Sure. Well, speaking of getting out in the parks, we're going to have a full moon hike in May. So that'll take place on Monday, May 16th. Um, There's usually a name for a lot of the full moons. And a lot of them were given by the Native Americans of Mm -hmm. kind of what was happening seasonally and it makes sense that this is a full flower moon hike okay and so because a lot of the flowers would be blooming during that month um we're going to be doing this out at listenberg memorial woods meeting at the gatehouse at seven o'clock um just recommended for those ages six and up so families with smaller children you know or strollers probably you know it's not going to be the best place to go with with strollers because we're going to be going off the paved path okay and it'll be dark so, and it's going to be you know, a little
0: bit later in the evening, obviously, because it doesn't get dark until later. So, right, right. You know. so
4: that'll, that'll take place at 7 o'clock there at at the gatehouse, so hopefully we'll have Very clear good. skies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be important. <laughs> I've that done a lot important. of them in the clouds. Um, and we don't see the moon, but yeah, that'll be Monday, May 16th okay, at 7 p.m.
0: Uh, also really quickly want to mention uh, camps. Uh, yes. You're signing up people for a camp, but most of those are already full.
4: A lot of them are. So we do our one day adventure day camps. We do a week in June, a week in August for six to 12 year olds. June is basically full. I okay. think one, now this was as of the other day. It. I didn't check this morning or really late yesterday. One camp had like two spots I think. Okay. And then in August, I think we had a couple of days out of the five that were also filled. And not only that, but some of our just multi-day camps for our smaller age groups. Okay. Um I know some of those are are filled. So normally we do fill them. I don't know if this is sooner than than later, but you know, if it's something that yeah, you know, you usually bring the kids out, and you and you want to come out. You know, I I'd, I'd look now and get them signed up. Yeah, I was going to say because
0: there might be families who are not even thinking about that yet uh, that would want to sign up. You need to do that right now if you right. haven't already. And, and so. they're and
4: they're flying because I usually like some of my kids come to camps, and I was waiting to kind of uh, around uh, a vacation they take to my parents, and I got them signed up, and then there were still spots, and like two days if they were filled. So yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't want to delay. You know, And normally, I guess it's just people you know, aren't aware. We come out with our summer camps in spring. Yeah. A lot of other places do. We did that a couple of years ago just to get people kind of that start.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Because
4: like the rest of our summer programming should be out next week. Okay. But this way, a lot of people plan ahead, want to get their summer set, yeah. know what's going on. So,
0: so those are out gonna, there yes. and all of the information uh, is on the website. You can sign up there uh, as well, right? Yes.
4: Yep. Okay. Sign up there. You can still stop by the office on East Main Croft. So it's Hancock Park. Parks.
0: And we have that linked up at our webpage, of course. Again, Michelle Rumschlag of the Hancock Park District with us this morning, talking about upcoming uh, events in May and and even beyond with respect to the camps. So uh, check that out online. Michelle, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program. And once again, a reminder, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Check it out, goodmornings.net coming up tomorrow on the program nearly everyone celebrated when that federal judge struck down the cdc's federal mask mandate on public transportation but will the ruling survive an appeal and what could be the long-term implications so until tomorrow morning that is good mornings for this morning now that you've had a good morning go on out and make it a good day we'll catch you back here tomorrow